Our scripture lesson tonight comes from the book of Joshua, chapter 7. Joshua, chapter 7, hear now the word of our God. But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from, from Jericho to Ai, which is near Betaven, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about three thousand men went up there from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about thirty-six of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, he and the elders of Israel. And they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut us off and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? The Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up, consecrate the people and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, there are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes, and the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come near by clans, and the clan that the Lord takes shall come near by households, and the household that the Lord takes shall come near man by man, and he who is taken with the devoted things shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel." So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near tribe by tribe, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought near the clans of Judah, and the clan of the Zerahites was taken. And he brought near the clan of the Zerahites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought near his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel, and give praise to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, Truly, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar, and two hundred shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing fifty shekels, then I coveted them and took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. And they took them out of the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the people of Israel, and they laid them down before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel 
with him, took Achan the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the cloak, and the bar of gold, and his sons and daughters, and his oxen, and donkeys, and sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them up to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear and do not be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you and arise. Go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai and his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its livestock you shall take as plunder for yourselves. Lay an ambush against the city behind it. So Joshua and all the fighting men arose to go up to Ai, and Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them out by night, and he commanded them, Behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city behind it. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you remain ready, and I and all the people who are with me will approach the city, and when they come out against us just as before, we shall flee before them, and they will come out after us until we have drawn them away from the city, for they will say, They are fleeing from us just as before. So we will flee before them. Then you shall rise up from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord your God will give it into your hand. And as soon as you have taken the city, you shall set the city on fire. You shall do according to the word of the Lord. See, I have commanded you. So Joshua sent them out, and they went to the place of ambush and lay between Bethel and Ai to the west of Ai. But Joshua spent that night among the people. Joshua arose early in the morning and mustered the people and went up, he and the elders of Israel before the people, to Ai. And all the fighting men who were with him went up and drew near before the city and encamped on the north side of Ai with a ravine between them and Ai. He took about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai to the west of the city. So they stationed the forces, the main encampment that was north of the city and its rear guard west of the city. But Joshua spent that night in the valley. And as soon as the king of Ai saw this, he and all his people, the men of the city, hurried and went out early to the appointed place toward the Arabah to meet Israel in battle. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel pretended to be beaten before them and fled in the direction of the wilderness. So all the people who were in the city were called together to pursue them. And as they pursued Joshua, they were drawn away from the city. Not a man was left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. They left the city open and pursued Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the javelin that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand toward the city. And the men in the ambush rose quickly out of their place. And as soon as he had stretched out his hand, they ran and entered the city and captured it. And they hurried to set the city on fire. So when the men of Ai looked back, behold, the smoke of the city went up to heaven. And they had no power to flee this way or that. For the people who fled to the wilderness turned back against the pursuers. And when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had captured the city, and that the smoke of the city went up, then they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. And the others came out from the city against them. So they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side. And Israel struck them down until there was left none that survived or escaped. But the king of Ai they took alive and brought him near to Joshua. When Israel had finished killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the open wilderness where they pursued them, and all of them to the very last had fallen by the edge of the sword, all Israel returned to Ai and struck it down with the edge of the sword. And all who fell that day, both men and women, were twelve thousand, all the people of Ai. But Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the javelin until he had devoted all the inhabitants of Ai to destruction. 
Only the livestock and the spoil of that city Israel took as their plunder, according to the word of the Lord that he commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it forever a heap of ruins, as it is to this day. And he hanged the king of Ai on a tree until evening. And at sunset Joshua commanded, and they took his body down from the tree and threw it at the entrance of the gate of the city and raised over it a great heap of stones, which stands there to this day. At that time, Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel, as it is written in the book of the Law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones, upon which no man has wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the people of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the Law of Moses, which he had written. And all Israel, sojourner as well as native-born, with their elders and officers and their judges, stood on opposite sides of the ark before the Levitical priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord, half of them in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded at the first to bless the people of Israel. And afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessing and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel and the women and the little ones and the sojourners who lived among them. This is the word of the Lord. There's there's a whole lot of piles of rocks in this story. Uh, The very name of the city of Ai means a a heap or a rubbish heap. It's it's basically it's it's it's. There's some foreshadowing in the name of the city as to what it's going to become. But then they leave monumental heaps in each place where, where Achan is buried, where the king of, of Hai is, is buried. And, of course, then they build an altar out of stone to the Lord at the end. It's a story all about piles of rocks. But the point of the story is about the need for holiness in spiritual warfare. In Joshua's day, Israel is the angel of death. They are called to bring judgment upon the wicked as a picture of the final judgment. Well, if, if, if you're going to be a, a stand-in for Jesus, then you'd better be holy. Well, and that's not just for the Old Testament people of God. After all, we are called to bring the message of salvation, the message of our Lord Jesus Christ to the nations, and we are called to be holy as he is holy. What does it mean to be holy? In our text for tonight, we see how at the very heart of holiness is being faithful to God, that his ways matter more to us than our own desires, Because, as the story of Achan shows us, when we seek first our own kingdoms, the result is that we bring harm on others. And we see this with Achan. Actually, this is, it's it's one of the few narratives in the Old Testament where you get this much advanced notice of what's happening. By the way, folks, (laughs) the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things. So, I mean, there's, there's no mystery whatsoever in this chapter. Verse 1 tells you, oh, by the way, in this next story, <laughs> the whole point is, Israel didn't do what they were called to do. Israel was not holy. And in this case, there was, there was just one man. 
in the whole company, there was one man who did not, who was not faithful to the Lord. And so the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. The holiness of the camp has been compromised because one man took some of the devoted things. If you recall in the, in the battle of Jericho, God had said, in the first battle, in the, in the, when, when, in the first city that God gives to Israel, they're supposed to destroy the whole city, completely obliterate it, and, and not keep any of the spoil for themselves. The, the silver and the gold is to be given to the Lord, and then everything else is to be destroyed in fire. Basically, the things that can be destroyed with fire, get destroyed with fire. The things that can't be destroyed with fire, like silver and gold, go to the treasury of the Lord. And so now, Achan has taken something that God had claimed for himself. But of course, Joshua knows none of this. And so, verse 2 moves straight into this story where Joshua has no clue there's anything wrong. His spies tell him that that I is a weak and feeble town. The name means a a heap. (laughs) A couple thousand soldiers, that's all you need. The Lord Lord has been with us. If we took Jericho so easily, I is an easy little, little town. Just send a couple thousand men, it'll be fine. So Joshua sends 3,000 men against I, and they're routed quickly. Whereas the hearts of the Canaanites had melted when puny little Israel crossed the Jordan, now the hearts of Israel melt before the puny little town of Ai. Remember, this is spiritual warfare we're talking about. This isn't just physical warfare where they're going up to fight. There is battling against principalities and powers going on. I mean, did you notice... How many of those 3,000 did the men of Ai kill? It, 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 it wasn't, you know, half of them, oh, half the army's lost. It was 36. You, you'd think, you think, you know, you go up to battle and you lose 36 men out of 3,000. It's not bad. For, uh, most, most generals would say that was a pretty good day. But here, Israel turns tail and runs. 36 of their men are killed. And Israel's falling apart. Their hearts melt. This is, something is very wrong. And so Joshua, Joshua of all people, asks the question of his generation. You've got to remember, at this point now, Joshua is an old man. He and Caleb are the only two left of the men who came out of Egypt. This question that Joshua asks was the question that the wilderness generation were asking over and over again. Why did you bring us out of Egypt just to kill us? And now Joshua asks, why did God bring us out of Egypt? Was it simply to give us into the hands of the Amorites? His generation had asked this question in chapter 14 of Exodus at the Red Sea. Again in chapter 16 of Exodus when they're starving of hunger. In Exodus 17 when there's no water. In Numbers 14 when they were afraid to enter the land. In Numbers 20 when there was no water. And then again in Numbers 21 when they complained about the manna. Now, in all of those six cases... Joshua was the one who had stood firm and remained faithful when the people complain against Moses time after time. Joshua alone stands beside Moses. Has has Joshua succumbed to the grumbling and complaining of his generation? 
Well, if, if all you read was verse 7, you might think so. But then again, remember, Joshua, from where he sits, he's got a just complaint. As far as he knows, Israel has been faithful. Israel has done what God told them to do. And all of a sudden, now it looks like God isn't keeping his side of the covenant. Joshua's question is not based on his own suffering. It's, his question is based on the Lord's promises. You said you would go before our armies, but now you're fighting against us. Oh Lord, what can I say? Verse 8. When Israel has turned their backs before their enemies. For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? Notice, Joshua is not just here saying, oh, we're, God, you're, you're, we're, we're. He's, he's like, no, you promised. What, what are you going to do about your promises? You've said you'll do this, but it's not happening. How can you let your people die when you promised us life? Notice the Lord's response. Get up. <laughs> it's almost like, okay, there's no mystery here, Joshua. The reason why I will not fight for you is because of your rebellion. Verse 11, Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things, some of the things that were devoted for destruction. And so now Israel has become devoted for destruction. If you take the devoted things, then, well, you become the devoted things. This is why Israel cannot stand before their enemies, because they have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. I will be with you no more, in verse 12, unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. And so a second time, God says, get up. This, this doesn't have to take you very long, Joshua. Consecrate the people and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, there are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. Go deal with your sin. I mean, it's, it's, worth, it's worth contemplating at this point. What would have happened if Achan had said at that time, yeah, yeah, that was me. I mean, part of it is he's already caused the death of 36 of his brothers, so it's quite likely the death penalty would still be invoked because, well, uh, his sin has led to the death of 36 others. So it's quite likely that he would have died, but it's entirely also likely that uh, it would have been done quite differently if he had come forward and confessed his sin. But instead, he's kind of sitting there going, hope they don't know, hope they don't find out. And so God tells Joshua to follow a clan-by-clan approach. Basically, there probably would have been 12, 12 men, one from each tribe, standing there in the morning, and as the lot would come through, sort of which, which tribe shall be chosen? Huh, Judah. And then from the tribe, the, the clans of Judah, the representatives would have stood forward. Okay, which one? Okay, yeah. And then one by one, it gets all the way down to Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah. Notice how Joshua does what the Lord says. He is the faithful servant of the Lord. And when God speaks, Joshua obeys. 
And the usage of the lot was ordained by God to determine who had sinned. Uh, But you'll notice that the lot may choose Achan, but that's not sufficient for a conviction. So if, if, if if you're kind of nervous about... Uh, sort of how you know, they're just choosing the guilty party by lot. <laughs> well, but there still needs to be evidence to then convict him. And that's why Joshua says to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel, give praise to him, and tell me now what you have done. And Achan fesses up. He, he, he admits he saw a beautiful cloak from Shinar. This is this would be a priestly robe from Babylon. This this when it, when this this would be an extremely expensive garment, which probably would have been worn in in priestly uh, services in, in in Jericho. And he sees the, he sees two hundred shekels of silver, a bar of gold weighing fifty shekels. Basically, this is as much money as a laborer would make in a lifetime. He's like. Nobody's around. I could just grab this stuff, hide it. Nobody will ever know. Jesus tells us, Do not be anxious about what you will eat or drink, or what you will wear, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Achan gives us a clear view of why Jesus tells us this. Achan had been told, Trust in the Lord. Trust God. He will provide for you. Give all the plunder from Jericho to God. He will give you an inheritance. He will provide everything you need for life and godliness. But Achan can't wait. I saw. I coveted. I took. Sound familiar? It's actually the same verbs that you find in Genesis 3, where... Eve saw that the tree was good for food, and the tree to be desired, same word coveted, to make one wise, and so she took. Isn't this what gets us in trouble? We see, we covet, we take. We're not thinking about the kingdom of God. We're thinking about our own kingdoms. We want it, my precious. Isn't part of why Gollum sort of was such a great character in the movies and before that in the book is because all of us kind of resonate with that in ways that we wish we didn't. We want it, my precious. Never mind where it leads, either for Gollum or for Aiken. Never mind that God's curse is upon the one who takes it. But when Joshua hears Achan's confession, he makes sure to confirm his words. Notice again, this is, you know, in, 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 this is not just a sort of going to railroad him off to... No, no, they're actually... They're, oh, he's, it's in your tent? Hey, go check his tent. Yep, sure enough, it's in his tent. And having verified that he is indeed the one who sinned, after all, if, if Israel sort of got the wrong guy and you know, then executes the wrong guy, then they, they haven't actually dealt with God's wrath against them, so they better make sure they get the right guy. So they take him out to the valley of Achor, where he was stoned to death and burned together with all of his household and his belongings. Death by stoning was reserved for the worst of sins, especially blasphemy, because Achan is not simply guilty of theft and lying. He is guilty of blaspheming God because he has stolen 
from Yahweh himself. The Lord had claimed the gold, the silver, the precious things from Jericho. And Achan has taken that, taken God's things for himself. Israel is coming into their inheritance. In this inheritance, they are to remember that the first portion of all that they have belongs to God because the whole inheritance is a gift from Him. Many centuries later, Ananias and Sapphira will be struck down by God for lying to the Holy Spirit because they said that they were giving everything to God, but they kept part for themselves. Now, they could have just given part to God and said, we're just giving, going to give part. And every woman like, that's very generous of you, thank you. But because they claimed to give it all to God, and then they kept part for themselves, they're doing the same thing Achan had done. They're actually, they said, this is God's, and now we're taking God's for ourselves. And in Achan's case, he's not only guilty of of lying and stealing covetousness, he's also guilty of murder because 36 Israelites died because of his sin. The rebellion of a few, the rebellion even of the one, jeopardizes the inheritance of the many. Israel will not inherit the land unless they purge the evil from their midst. And so Achan and his household are removed from Israel. Just as Achan has brought trouble, Akhor, on Israel. So now God will bring trouble, Achor, on Achan in the valley of Achor. It's where the valley of Achor gets its name, the valley of trouble. Now, you know me, I can't help, I can't help it with geography. Geography is too much fun. The valley of Achor doesn't just disappear from the Bible. Isaiah, in, at the end of Isaiah, in chapter 65, as Isaiah is coming to the end of his prophecy, as he's coming to, to the, how he's speaking of the future blessing that will come upon Zion, he says that God's blessing will come even to the valley of trouble. In chapter 65, verses 9 and 10, he says, I will bring forth descendants from Jacob and from Judah, inheritors of my mountains. My chosen shall inherit it, and my servants shall dwell there. Sharon shall become a pasture for flocks, and the valley of Achor, a place for herds to lie down for my people who have sought me. The lesson of the valley of Achor is that those who trouble God's inheritance will themselves receive trouble. But God says that he will redeem even the valley of trouble, even the valley of Achor. And, and the prophet Hosea in chapter 2 verse 15 also speaks of the day when God will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. So, and Hosea, if you've ever spent any time in the book of Hosea, Hosea is using Israel's geography as, as reminders of Israel's history, as reminders of, of how the whole story fits together and what God is doing in redeeming his people. So when, when Hosea says that God will make the valley of Achor a door of hope, he's asking you, remember Achan? Remember how judgment fell upon one man in order to bring redeem Israel and sort of save Israel from their from their from destruction. Well, the valley of trouble, the valley of Achor will one day be a place of righteousness and peace, a door of hope. And then you start hearing echoes of how Jesus says, "I am the door." 
Because He is the one who goes through the valley of Achor. He's the one who takes Achan's sin, our sin, the sin our rebellion upon Himself. But even, but even in Joshua's day, the valley of Achor is not the end of the story. It's actually very much the middle of the story. Because now the Lord speaks a second time. And says, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Now take all the fighting men. Take the whole army. And yeah, God's anger has been satisfied. The wages of sin is death. Achan has paid for his sin. The troubler of Israel has been put to death. And so now they may go back to battle. Now, there's still a penalty for Achan's sin that falls upon the whole community. Jericho was completely destroyed. All the other cities are supposed to be inhabited by Israel. Well, now we got a second city. I must also be destroyed completely. Because, basically, you might say, because Israel failed to do it right the first time, okay, now, let's do this one again. Burn the city with fire. And this time God says, you can keep the plunder for yourselves, the spoil, the herds, flocks, but uh, dis- destroy the city. Remove, uh, remove you know, burn the infrastructure with fire. The rest of the Canaanite cities will be left standing, but uh, not, not Jericho, and now not Ai. And so God commands the second battle of Ai to be an ambush. And... Joshua does all of the Lord commands. Again, we see Joshua as the faithful servant of the Lord who leads his people in the ways of the Lord because through Joshua, God will give his people their inheritance. But now, rather than just the 3,000, now the whole army goes together. 30,000 are sent around to the north to lie in ambush behind the city, another 5,000 to the west of the city, and then Joshua and the rest of the men come against the city and when the men of Ai, and apparently the men of Bethel are helping out on this, they, they see them coming, they, they go out to battle expecting to rout Israel once again. And Joshua plays into their hands, pretending to be beaten and fleeing in retreat. But when the men of Ai and Bethel pursue Israel, Joshua stretches out the javelin from his hand, and the ambushing forces quickly take the city. Joshua and his men turn back against the armies of Ai, slaughter the men, women of the, of the city, 12,000 and all, they capture the king of Ai and bring him to Joshua. Now, we've, we had seen the humiliation of, of Joshua after the first battle, but now we see his exaltation. We see it, actually, in, in the ways in which he is shown to be similar to Moses. In Exodus 17, Moses had held up his staff, in, and whenever Moses held up the staff, Joshua was the victorious general. But now Joshua is the one stretching out his javelin, he is, is the warrior of God who devotes the inhabitants of Ai to destruction. And we see it also in his faithfulness to God's commands, the way that, that, that Moses had been faithful. Notice that there's a king here. You know, years later, King Saul will fail to destroy Agag the Amalekite. But Joshua hangs the king of Ai on a tree until evening. And at sunset, he orders that his body be taken down and cast at the gates of the city. And a heap of stones is placed there as a monument to the faithfulness of Joshua's God. And so Joshua is exalted as the one who brings Israel through trouble to glory. Now, notice there are two heaps of stones here. There was one piled over Achan and one piled over the king of Ai. Two memorials by which to remember the faithfulness of God in judgment, that those who rebel against the Lord 
will wind up like Achan. And those cities that refuse to submit to the Lord will also be left a ruin, a heap of rubble. But there's another, well, it's not right to call it a heap of stones, but there is another grouping of stones, this altar at the end of our passage. Joshua has an altar built of uncut stones in accordance with what God had commanded Moses earlier in Deuteronomy. Remember, the conquest of the land is not just a military operation. The conquest of the land is an act of worship. And so Joshua remembers what God had commanded Moses. And so he takes the people to Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. Half stand on Mount Gerizim for the blessing, half stand on Mount Ebal for the curse. And the altar, if you recall, was built on Mount Ebal because the reason why you need an altar is because of the curse. And so now, before Israel takes possession of the land, before they take any city that they did not build, before they obtain any vineyard that they did not plant, they worship God. They gather to renew the covenant. Notice, nobody has yet received any of the, the promised blessings. Nobody has a home, nobody has a, a city, nobody has a vineyard. But they, they're gathering to, in a sense, bring the first fruits to the Lord. They're gathering to, uh, they've got, remember they were allowed to take the plunder from the city, which means that they do have animals for sacrifice. Remember at Jericho, they weren't allowed to do that because that, would be, that was giving the first to God. But now they give the, the fruit of their, the plunder to God in worshiping him. Now the people of the northern tribes of Israel would remember Mount Gerizim. And because they refused to worship at Jerusalem, they would worship at Mount Gerizim, the mountain of blessing. And many, many years later, as a Jew was traveling by Mount Gerizim, a local woman said to him, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus replied, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming and is now here where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. If you recall the story from John chapter 4, this woman had had five husbands and the man she was living with at the moment was not her husband. <laughs> you might say she knew the valley of trouble. She had experienced, uh, whether, whether her five husbands had died or whether they had divorced her or some combination, she had known trouble. But then Jesus came and said, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. You may feel like a permanent resident of the Valley of Achor. You may feel as though you've just had one trouble after another. Or maybe the same trouble over and over and over. But Jesus comes to you and offers you life if you will believe in him. Because our Lord Jesus Christ is the one who has passed through the valley of trouble. He is the one who took our curse. I mean, he was the one who was hanged on a tree in the valley of Achor as the one who took the judgment of God against us for our sin. Even though we were the ones who, 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 who saw and coveted and took. Yet he was the one who gave himself in our place so that those who trust in him might have life. So let us pray. 
O Lord our God, have mercy on us and help us because you have called us to be holy as you are holy. You have called us to remember your great faithfulness and your love, your mercy to us in Jesus, that you have, you have sent him to take the curse upon himself that we deserved. So help us, Lord, to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Help us to, to turn away from our selfish paths. Help us to turn to you and by your Holy Spirit renew us and refresh us and strengthen us that we might, that we might seek first the kingdom of your beloved Son. Lord, may, may your wisdom and your grace strengthen us and help us. And, and Lord, help us to encourage one another as long as it is called today that as we, as we see one another uh, straying from the way, help us to call one another back and to encourage one another, and to repent of our sins, to forgive those who have sinned against us, to to love you and to love one another. Help us, Lord, not to be selfish and not to seek our own our own kingdoms, but may we seek first your kingdom and seek for how we can show forth our our love for you in the way that we love one another. For we pray this in Jesus' name, Amen.